got gay and my aim is truth bells I'm straight winning it from FP to RTS I'm all into it I seen your words online now it's game time we all know that you're just talk now you're all mine LOL BF Madden it's all the same a serial killer commit a murder inside the game now you're being yellow now player no more back to the minus game over off F4 Welcome to Alt F4, where Swagger lives. I am J.A. LaRock. Now, when I was about five years old, I was still potty training, which, uh, you know, was weird. Uh, our guest today was already having her first gaming experience. Uh, we're happy to welcome uh, Holly Ann Satola, or should I say Simon? Congratulations on the wedding. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. So. At five, five years old, what, what was that first gaming experience? Um, my grandmother was a administrative assistant at NASA, which was kind of cool. Um, so she would take me into work with her. And I mean, sometimes I'd play on the printer or I'd like draw or they had a chalkboard, but I was kind of bored and there was an extra computer in the room. So my grandma was like, oh yeah, you can go on there. Um, so I started... Um, well, first off, the mouse was on the right side of the computer, and I'm left-handed. So I picked up the mouse with my left hand, moved it over, and just started primary clicking with my middle finger, which I still do today. Uh, I've never broken from that. Um, and I played Ski Free. I was playing um, Minesweeper, um, like all the old-school Windows 95 games. So that was definitely my absolute first experience. And I love that it was with PC gaming because that's what... I do now um, so much. So that was my first time gaming. <laughs> was it so much that just because you started with PC gaming that you ended up with that, or did console games just not you know, really get you at the time? I mean, at that time, a lot of console games was really getting into its own. Yeah, my, um, it was Christmas of 97, and I was seven. Um, Super Nintendo, my dad bought me. So that was like my first console, and really, like, I mean, it was, like, my first time actually really, like, gaming with a game. You know what I mean? Not with, like, a computer or something, like, built into the computer. Um, and I got really hooked on Super Nintendo really fast. So my absolute favorites, Donkey Kong, Country, all the Donkey Kongs, Super Mario, Pitfall. Um, I mean, I was playing things from, like, Jungle Book. I was playing Speedy Gonzalez. Um, and to this day, I still have my Super Nintendo over here. I play it all the time. Um, it's my favorite console. We do have a PS4, but that was my husband's choice. Um, mm -hmm. I have a very difficult time on console. I might as well have the TV turned off as I'm playing because I just can't. I can't even walk with a controller. I'm really, really terrible at console games. Um, if it's like Raymond's Legend, which I absolutely love on PS4, I'm great at games like that because it takes me back to like my SNES roots. But when it comes to like a first-person shooter, that's a no-go on the console for me. So, I mean, and then growing up too, my dad bought me a PlayStation 2, so I had um, a PlayStation 2, which I loved. I still have that hooked up too, um, and I love a lot of games on there. But then once I started PC gaming at 12, that just took off, and I felt more comfortable at the computer, and then still kind of fell back on like my fun little games on the console. So what was that first experience when you were 12 and you were actually getting into PC gaming? Like, what was it that was that spark? It's a really great story. I think it's really great. Um, so I was talking to my now husband at the time when I was 12. He was my first boyfriend. Um, wow. And we were on AIM, 
which like old school, right? AIM. Um, he was pretending to be someone from one of my classes in school, and it turns out it was him and his friend from Pennsylvania, like trying to troll me. Um, and yeah, that's my husband now. So um, <laughs> one night I was talking to him on the phone, and I heard shooting in the background, like legit gun shooting. And I was freaking out. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, that's just Counter-Strike. And I was like, Counter-Strike? What is that? Um, so once he told me, I decided, well, I don't want less time with my boyfriend. So my mom took me to the mall um, down to, I don't think it was GameStop at the time. I think it was EB Games. Ah, uh, yes. But he, uh, my mom took me down there, bought me the game because it was rated mature and I was 12. Um, and then I came home and started playing Counter-Strike. My husband taught me how to play, um, kind of helped me set up controls. Um, and, I mean, I had a ball mouse. I mean, I had a terrible computer. But it was so much fun, and that's what started my PC gaming journey. So if it wasn't for my husband, I have no clue where I'd be today. Um, probably just, like, more of, like, a casual gamer. Like, probably just would still be playing some games on my um, Super Nintendo. But I don't think I would have... I don't know if I would have ever tried something on the PC, to be honest. Yeah, that's Counter-Strike. That's definitely one of those games that when you jump into it and, you know, you're going up against people, especially in, in a team-based... I mean, they had Deathmatch as well, but it's mostly you expect it for the team-based uh, uh, gameplay. I mean, that's that must be a, a big difference between coming into something where you're just playing by yourself. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely challenging. My husband, at the time, he's like a year and a half older than me, so he could have been like 15 or 14 or something. Um, he had played Counter-Strike since, he's played since beta. So since Counter-Strike came out in 1999, he was playing. So he already had some experience, so he was able to really kind of like coach me. We started playing, um, my first map was Ice World, which is just super fun shooter map. And he was just teaching me the guns, kind of showing me the ropes, which was super helpful. Um, but then shortly after that, my husband and I lost contact um, a friend of his was killed um, was killed by a car, and we kind of lost touch, but I kept gaming, and I got really big into Counter-Strike. I mean, probably two to three months after I started playing, I was in, um, I was playing leagues in Cal, which Cal doesn't exist anymore, but um, I found this great Cal team um, called Clan Star RK. I'll never forget them, um, and they really took me under their wing, kind of like a little sister, and really helped me um, with kind of more of the mechanics and more of the strategy on the side of Counter-Strike and less of the shooting, because I was already comfortable with the shooting, but they were starting, you know, to get me into strats, and we were starting to play matches, and I just instantly was hooked. I was, like, you know, doing my homework at lunch at school so I could just come home and game straight until I had to leave for the bus. So <laughs> it was hardcore. <laughs> at this point, were you, like, upgrading your, your system, or, or were you already just running on the default one? I was still rocking it out with my ball mouse and my bad computer. Um, funny thing is when back in those days when I was playing matches, my computer was constantly overheating. So it came to the point of when I was playing matches, I had my whole side panel taken off, and I was just pressing compressed air into my computer like in between rounds. So it was really ghetto. It was really hardcore, but I still made it happen. Um, I don't think I got my newer computer till I was probably like 14 or 15 so it was a few years after um, and then I got my first actual mouse which was a Razer Death Adder which I still use um, but I use a left-handed Death Adder now which they have which is great um, before I just kinda use like a, a 
I call it like a uni, like you can use any hand with it, like an ambidextrous. So, um, but yeah, that was like really, really bad memory. Sometimes my computer just blue screen mid-match, and they all knew my computer was overheating, so. <laughs> so what was it that made you, uh, I mean, because a lot of people play these uh, games, and it's competitive, and then people, especially if they feel good at it, and they start learning more about it, they say to themselves, hey, I want to test my skills, but there's still a difference between that and then making a leap between that and joining like the teams that you were on and actually moving up to that next level. When did you, you know, feel that that was what you really wanted to do? I think, to be honest, I think it was right from the beginning. Um, I'm super competitive. I've been in sports my whole life from an early age. So I started dancing on a competition team when I was two years old. Um, I was playing basketball at four and I was playing with girls twice my age. Um, I was a, I'm a black belt, so I, was, I started karate at four years old as well, so I was competing in sparring tournaments and that, and I played tennis growing up, and I'm a musician, so like everything I feel like I did growing up, I was competing in in some way, and I was succeeding in most things, and I really liked that. I think that's really what like gave me the drive to just want to compete also in gaming and kind of make gaming... Um, another one of those, I mean, like it's an eSport, but make it a different type of thing that I do, but still be able to be competitive like I love. So for people that don't know, what, is, what are the steps or the differences between someone who's just, you know, playing, and maybe if they're even playing on a high level, and then like when you started teaming up with groups and battling against other people, you know, like that aspect of really having that teamwork, because a lot of times you still see in games today where, it's supposed to be a team game, but a lot of people don't really play like a team. But then when you go up against someone that is a team, they'll usually spank you no matter how good you think you are. Can you tell us a little about that aspect? Yeah, um, I, think, I think I was really fortunate to start off with a team that was super willing to kind of coach me in that because I played with a lot of other teams after that that were not like that. Um, and that were more like, we don't care that you're 12 or 13, we don't care that you're female, like, you just need to do it and you need to do your thing, which I like too, there's positivities to both, but I think starting off it was so crucial that I had people really kind of training me in that. Um, for me, the biggest difference is it's harder looking back because I had no experience of other games. All I knew was Counter-Strike. But now, looking, looking back now with my other, you know, other gaming experience, I think that I really, and to this day, I don't really like games where you're just running and gunning. I don't really like that because to me, my first experience with a first-person shooter was the strategy, was the teamwork, but that has so much been removed from so many first-person shooters today. Um, if you're competing, obviously, it's still there. But, I mean, the new matchmaking system in Counter-Strike, which back in the day, you know, you would just find scrims on IRC, but now they have the matchmaking. Oftentimes, I'm trying to call strats, and everyone's screaming at me, cursing at me, calling me names. They don't want to hear strats. They want to run around and just shoot people. So I feel like that's kind of what it is now. So I don't, that's why one of the reasons why I don't play much Counter-Strike anymore. Um, I play maybe once every three weeks just for fun with my husband, but it's just not... I have a hard time with that because back in the day when I was playing, that's what people lived for. They lived for the strategy. They lived for working as a team. And I feel like now it's so much more just kind of run one-on-one. -on -one. Of course, you have the pros that are still playing like Counter-Strike Go. And of course, they're doing teamwork and they're running strats. And, but that's how like everything was. And now it's just kind of like, okay, I guess no one really wants to follow strats unless you're playing at that professional level. 
So it's kind of a bummer, but I don't think, I mean, obviously back then I didn't know any of that. So I think I just kind of thought, well, this is what it is. And, and it kind of was, that really was what it was. Yeah, that's the thing. A, a lot of times I noticed this, uh, the change, because you know, I played a lot of old games as well. And back in the day, like even something an MMO like EverQuest, you know, you would see that you would go out and you'd be in a dungeon or something. And if someone died or you, your team wiped, you know, the, everybody would come back together. And, you know, maybe if you made a mistake, they'd help you. Um, the only time maybe people would leave or really complain is if someone was just really doing on purpose or trolling. However, nowadays, you know, I still play FPS games. I still play games like WoW. It's like if you die once, even on an accident, nobody wants to put in the time. Everybody wants to quit. Everyone wants to leave. They want to curse. They want to attack you. And it's made it much more toxic. I mean, people used to make fun of Counter-Strike back in the day because they kind of say Counter-Strike kitties were like that. But it's really gotten worse now. It's it, honestly the the gaming culture. I feel like right now is in a huge shift. I feel like it's been there for the last few years. I've been really challenging myself, probably in the last five years, to just really branch out and just any game I can get my hands on. I'm playing. I'm um, right now. I'm playing WoW um, with my close friend Ashley and getting into that. I'm not a big MMO RPG any of that, so it's totally new for me, and I'm loving it. But my husband played WoW since Vanilla, and he's like, this is a totally different game. It's a totally different culture. Not only that, but they've made the game easier. Like, the game used to be way harder. Dungeons used to be take hours. You'd be doing the same thing for hours, and now it's not like that. And the reason it's not like that is because people that play that are just joining these games don't want that. They don't want to play like that. And I feel like the simplicity... Um, simplicity of games is is really big right now. I mean, we play through a lot of games. Um, my friend Ashley and I, she's pretty much the one I play all my games with. We do a lot of co-op games. And some of them is just like, we're barely trying and we're just slamming through the games. And obviously, I mean, we're both good gamers, but games didn't used to be like that. I mean, I sit up, I get on my Super Nintendo and like, I can, I'm still stuck at the same level on Donkey Kong Country that I've been stuck on since I was like 15. I mean, games, I feel like, were a lot harder, but I think that the gaming gaming as a whole, the companies are trying to really kind of adapt their games to the culture today. Um, and I don't think all companies do that. I think Firaxis is a great example. Um, any type of civilization game I've ever tried, I just it blows my mind. Uh, I just don't get it. And I got to meet Sid Meier's last year and talk to him about his games, and I got to tour Firaxis, and... Just all that was amazing, and I'm thinking, this company gets it. Like, they're not going to change their games. They're keeping their stuff hard. They're keeping it how it's been because it's a strategy game, but I feel like the strategy in so many FPS games, MMO games, RPG, they've, they're removing it, and it's just kind of, I mean, it's nice because we get new gamers in, and, of course, we want that. You know, we want to be growing the culture, and it's growing huge. But then there's, like, that part of, my heart that I'm like, oh, I just can't play Counter-Strike anymore because I want it to be so bad what it was and it's just not. And I mean, I have nothing against Call of Duty, but I'm just, I personally don't care for it. Um, and to me, it's a very easy first person shooter for me on PC. And I feel like Counter-Strike really went in the COD direction. Um, not only with the gun skins, but just with the mentality of the players. They want to run and gun and that's COD. They want to be running around and just shooting people. They don't want to follow strats. And they don't want to play together as a team. And I feel like that expands even more to the land culture. You know, I grew up going to land centers. That's where I lived. I mean, I went to school, and then I was at the land centers. 
And the reason that's not a thing anymore is because no one wants to go out and play with anyone. They want to sit at home, play by themselves. <laughs> and it's just, it, it breaks my heart because it's just, it's a totally different time and we're just in a different age right now. I mean, it's I think it's cool because people like you and I and other people that have been around have so much to offer the, the new people within the community today. And what's really strange about that is that you would think that with more people having that gaming background, because I've been able to talk to a lot of great people who, you know, some of them are having kids and or some of them are even older and they have kids that are at gaming age, and you would think that, you know, with the legacy of games that we've had, especially going back to, like, old Commodore 64 NES games that were difficult, like you said, that it would be easier to jump into games and you wouldn't have to make it so easy. At the same time, I understand what you're saying, that they want to bring in more people, maybe people who you know, still looked at gaming as, oh, that's for kids or that's for geeks or whatever, and they want to say, no, come on, anyone can play. But when you get it so bad that it makes the game really easy and then it's not fun for anyone, it ruins it. And then on top of that, like you said, the changing of the culture, where you would think that some of these people who claim that, you know, they come from gaming or their brother was gaming and they taught them, they would have that drive in, in them to want to try hard games. But no, they want it easy, even though maybe they're brother, father, sister, mother had it difficult when they were playing. Definitely. I think, and I don't think it's just with gaming. I think we see it in everything. I think where we're at right now, people want easier. They want quicker. Um, they want, that's what they want. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing better than being in a game and succeeding and being able to kill everyone or being able to level or whatever game you're playing. That feeling as a gamer is awesome. So if the game's easier and if I can be feeling that feeling all, all the time, well, then I'm going to keep playing your game. I'm going to keep buying your skins. I'm going to keep paying for time. I'm going to keep – so I really think it just turns into a whole, like, money thing. Well, I mean, if people aren't succeeding and if people are feeling really bad about themselves, I don't think they're going to keep playing our game. And, I mean, it's kind of sad that that's what it's become, but there's so many things like that. Um, and that doesn't discount all of the great stuff that's still out there right now today in the gaming world. There's so much good stuff. Now, what was it making that transition from playing with a team? You know, you, you learned from these people, you played with them, you had the strats based on them, and then moving over and, and competing by yourself. Because I was reading uh, the article and the interview that you did with uh, Patrick Scott Patterson and about the challenges of making that switch. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, that was super, it, it was a hard road for me in Counter-Strike, for sure. Um, Counter-Strike is still one of those games, I mean, I guess it's just gaming and the internet, but there's so many trolls, and there's so many people that believe every single thing they hear on the internet, um, so there's, there's so much stuff out there about me that, of course, isn't true, isn't who I am, but there's people who aren't willing to talk to me or give me the time of day, and that's fine, you know, to each their own. Um, but I had a really hard road. I mean, I played with a lot of different teams, um, and I was getting a lot of negative attention and a lot of negative um, feedback, and I wasn't really into that, but I still wanted to play. So that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to make my own team, and I'm going to make my team the way I want my team ran. And I was a very serious player. Like, we had practice three times a week. Uh, I had a strap book that I wrote and created for my team. Um, everyone that was on my team, I'm still friends with today, um, including our managers. Um, I actually was just playing the other day, and I told you I, like, never play. And one of the guys on the other team was on OS, my team, back in the day in, one point, in uh, Source, in Counter-Strike Source. And he remembered me, and it was just so cool. So 
I still have those killer connections with my team. Um, and we started playing leagues, but I still was getting that negative vibe, and I wasn't really digging it. So then I decided, well, let's take it to the land level. Because at this time, there was still land centers all over San Diego, where, I, where I'm from, and we had lots of opportunities to compete and play tournaments. So that's what we started doing. Um, we, we played tournaments all over. Pretty much any Counter-Strike tournament there was for Source, we were in and we were playing. And I loved it because that's what I love about gaming, is getting the opportunity to meet someone online and getting to play with them and build those strats and build those things. But then to get to meet them in person and bond with them as a friend and as a teammate, it's like, it's like going to a basketball game playing with your team. I mean, I just, I loved that feeling. I love people behind me watching me. It, like, drives me. It fuels me. I love landing. It's so much fun. And then I feel like I was able to build a different reputation because people were actually meeting me. They are meeting me in person. They are watching me play. So there was no questions on my ability or there was no questions on who I was as a person or my character. So I feel like LAN really provided that opportunity to really get to know people and, you know, show people who I was and, you know, um, of course, there's a lot of people I met at LAN that I met online that, you know, didn't really care for me, and they wouldn't even give me the time of day at LAN, and, and it's still like that. Um, and that's just, I feel like, the culture um, in a lot of ways. That transition was hard, and I feel like I feel like I just had a hard road in general when it came to Counter-Strike. I mean, I had a lot of incredible opportunities that have stemmed from that, um, and I'm really thankful for all the experiences I've had, because I feel like it's molded me into the gamer that I am today. I think that uh, a lot of times you may have people who are familiar with gaming and what I see that sometimes people don't understand is the difference between uh, someone, you know, uh, jumping on you or, or just making, you know, your general attacks. It's almost like when people talk about the difference between bullying. I think people get a misconception where uh, people say, oh, well, when I was in school, people made fun of me or they threw a spitball at me and they don't understand the difference between that and what happens today. And I think the same thing in gaming. People get so used to this uh, gaming culture of like attacking, but there's a difference between you're in a group with people and people are like saying things and making jokes and you're it's going back and forth than like the visual hate that you actually see now. Um, and that's what's, you know, could you tell people a little bit about the differences between just your regular gaming ribbing and, and things that you've encountered? I mean, these last, uh, this last year especially has been a super hard road for me as a gamer. Um, I started streaming on Twitch, and I wasn't able to stream consistently because I was in college full-time to get my degree, and I was working, and I was away from my husband who was in the Navy, and like I just had all this stuff going on. So I wasn't streaming consistently, but I was growing a following quickly. I was averaging on good days 150, 200 viewers, I had almost 6,000 followers. Uh, I was making probably $3,000 a month in donations alone. Um, I never got partnered, um, but having that decision uh, to close my Twitch account was super difficult, and a lot of my fans didn't really understand where I was coming from in that and still don't really understand, and I lost a lot of fans. But really that decision came from the realization of how far the culture right now has gone um, I mean, yeah, I got made fun of back in the day, but it was nothing like it is today. And I think it's because there's so much more opportunity, and I think 
because there isn't really much lands anymore unless you're like playing at a professional level, there aren't a lot of land centers that you can just go to and hang out at. People would much rather be keyboard strong, you know, sit behind their keyboard and just talk trash because it's easy to do. Guarantee you if they were out of land, they're not going to say that to me. I mean, <laughs> I met tons of them and they never did. Um, but I mean, I was getting, um, you know, ton, there was tons of forums about me. There still are. There's still people following me and I haven't streamed in like nine months. Um, but I wake up every morning to, you know, hateful comments on my YouTube, on my Twitter, on my fan page, on Facebook. Um, I had $200 worth of food delivered to my house every night that wasn't paid for. So it came to the point of every night I streamed, I had to call every single delivery company around my house, let them know not to deliver anything. Uh, I was getting 80 to 100 phone calls a day to my family's house, um, house number, threatening to kill me, to run me over with a car. You know, I had to like explain everything to my family. I mean, that is a whole nother level. That's like, that's a whole nother level to me. That is way, just way too far. Uh, and so it came to the point of, it's not that I don't agree with Twitch, because um, we have, I'm, um, I met Jared many years ago, Summit on Twitch, and you know, that's how he makes his living, and he's amazing, super successful streamer, um, but even he deals with these things. He's moved a few times because of, of difficulties with people getting his address and his information, and it, we live in a different age now, and it's, it's really scary. It really is scary. So making that decision for me to really pull away from that was difficult because I was doing well in that for me, but it was way more stressful, and what it turned into was it took the fun out of gaming for me. And that is not okay because I'm, I'm here to game for myself. I want to have fun for myself. So I don't want to be upset because I'm streaming um, Saints Row 2, who you know is an old game, everyone's played it, no one wants to watch me play Saints Row 2, and then I start thinking, oh gosh, well no one wants to watch me play Saints Row 2, so maybe I'll just go play Counter-Strike, because everyone will watch me play Counter-Strike. But then I'm not enjoying myself playing Counter-Strike, because I don't want to play Counter-Strike. So streaming really, especially too, where it is for females right now, um, I really don't agree with where it's gone, and I didn't want to be associated with that. I didn't want people coming in and assuming that I was like every other female streamer, and so I just decided to completely delete it completely. So that was a hard decision. Um, but people nowadays, I mean, they're, they're crazy. <laughs> they're straight up crazy. What, what do you think um, is some of the reason behind some of these people doing it? Because, you know, like you, you've seen things uh, where people would talk, like I remember watching the Law and Order episode at SVU where they were trying to give people an idea of what uh, people go through. And one of the things that, you know, I never really understood is where this comes, you know, from the person. Obviously, everyone trolls. Um, you know, if even if you're anything that you're slightly different, they're going to attack. And even if you're not, they're just going to use the default attacks. I think that sometimes you have people who will do things because they just think it's just part of the game. It's almost like uh, hazing. You know, you join the club and you say, hey, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the internet. And a lot of younger people, they just grow up thinking, oh, this is how I'm cool. But I think something gets deeper, especially, you know, with women and minorities where it's like they completely know this is wrong and they're doing these attacks. Do you think it just comes just from being anonymous and behind the keyboard? Do you think it's something deeper, especially when it comes to women? Why so much hate if you beat them in a game, whether if it was another guy that beat them in the game? 
I think a lot of it comes from pride. I think a lot of things stem from people's pride issues. I have my own pride issues and things that I've had to work through that I'm still working through. I think pride's a really strong thing that can make us do a lot of things that may seem really kind of crazy. Um, I know that some of the people would come in, sorry about that, some people would come in and most of them were from 4chan. So 4chan people love me, like love me. I've never even been on 4chan, so I don't really know about it. Um, but that whole sense of um, people would come in and they would say, like, wow, I can't believe people are donating to your stream. So people were clearly pissed that I was making money doing something that they do and they don't make money from. So I think it came from that. Um, I, don't, I think a lot of people, honestly, today are hurting for attention. I think people come from broken homes where they don't have great relationships with their parents, they don't have good relationships with their siblings, they don't have any close friends because maybe they feel shunned in school or they don't, you know, maybe they're considered a nerd or a geek and no one wants to be around them. So they're really striving for that attention and when someone says something that's rude in, a, in chat or on my YouTube or it brings attention and I think that's a huge thing is people that are just looking for attention and you see that all over the place girls looking for attention in the wrong ways um, kids looking for attention in the wrong ways acting out behaviorally I feel like we just see that across the board so I think overall the biggest thing I would say would be att attention seeking um, I one of the guys who like really hardcore was trolling me from 4chan I'm actually friends with now um, which is pretty incredible um, he was one of the people calling me a hundred times a night. Um, he made a lot of videos on his YouTube, and we're actually friends now. Um, and I'm still trying to figure him out because it just doesn't seem like his character to do things like that to people. Um, but he also has a lot of hurt in his life, and he also comes from a lot of um, difficult things that are going on. So I really just feel like it's attention attention based. I know that um, a lot of times when people are talking about uh, the different sides of why people will act uh, one way, it might be like a controversial subject to talk about some people who may pursue gaming or any attention, you know, trying to get their name up or something in a way that could be either hurting themselves or hurting the cause. Um, I know sometimes like people say in comedy, like let's say if you're a minority and you just, your comedy's all about all the differences in your minority, some people will look at that and say, oh, why are you using that? And it's like, well, it depends on how you're doing. You know, are you really just trying to explore and be funny, or is it kind of like an exploitation of your own people? And I know that some people will say, like, sometimes uh, in, in gaming, like, women will sometimes use the fact that they're female and then it's a male-dominated industry that they'll use that to get more followers, more hits, you know, more revenue, and raise their fame up, or sometimes even use gaming as a stepping stone and then disrespect the fans once they move on. Have you seen things that you would say as a woman that you've seen other women, you're just like, you know, man, you're messing this up for everyone? All of it. All of it. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I really struggle with women in the gaming industry, um, which is so funny because with the whole film coming out, No Princess in the Castle, I think it's going to be so fantastic because the women that they've chosen are the real deal. Like, they're the real deal gamers. They're not the women that are doing those things. Um, I feel like women that are doing those things are completely ruining it for everyone because that's where all the stereotyping comes from. You know, that's where the... Um, 
all of the people coming in my stream and asking me to flash them and um, I'll donate you if you sh you know send me nudes or whatever it is. That's where that all comes from because girls do that. The, you know those aren't guys making that up like just saying that. There's women doing that. Um, and that for me like I'm I'm pretty conservative in a lot of my views. Um, so for me as a woman, I was focused on where what my image is in the industry, and that's really why I pulled from Twitch because I don't want people coming in and assuming that's my gig because I'm a female and I'm a gamer. And yeah, people that were in there that are my fans, they know I'm not like that. They know that the community I had was different and there was so much positive that came from that, but all of the stuff that was negative coming from it was not worth all of the hassle. It just wasn't. And I mean, like I said, it really came down to it ruining gaming for me and that's not okay. Once something comes to a level where I'm not wanting to play anymore and I'm just like stressed out and emotionally drained, that that needs to be out of my life completely. Um, I don't I don't see that changing for women. The reason I don't is because it's all comes down to attention seeking. So you have girls, you know, I made a lot of stupid choices when I was 12 and 13 on Counter-Strike. I did a lot of dumb things. Um, so I've been that e-whore. I've done that, been there, done that. So I get it. And it was all attention seeking. That's what it was. You know, I was looking for attention in the wrong places. And that will never end. People will always be looking for attention in the wrong places. And, um... It's sad, it's very sad to me to see so many women on Twitch that like don't even really were never gamers, don't really have that love for it, but they're just kind of doing it, like you said, as a stepping stone. It's really disheartening. Um, I really don't go on Twitch often, and it's not Twitch. I mean, Twitch is a fantastic service. Like, it's killer. I was loving it, but it's what the culture is just right now. Um, I, I've really tried to kind of remove myself um, and kind of get back to my roots of why I'm a gamer, why I love it, and just continue to expand my knowledge and and speak out in any way that I can about what I believe and and you know and and why I think it's so critical to be an important role model in the world of gaming, especially for women. So tell us a little bit about the positive aspects. I mean, I know we talked about a lot of negative, but there's a lot of great things that that you've been doing too since. Uh, since you started playing and you know teaming up with websites, writing articles, like you said, being a documentary, can you tell us a little bit about those? Well, the you know really amazing. My first my first opportunity was I got to work with a company called Game Church. Um, they're a killer company. They're doing some great things. Um, I had the opportunity to go to E3 with them and work at their booth, and it was a blast. I mean, I never thought in a million years I'd get to go to E3. It was such an honor and a privilege. Um, just getting to talk to different um, companies. Um, and I think I'm interested to know what would have happened um, if I didn't meet Walter Day there. Um, it was such a mind-warping thing because I had watched King of Kong 10 million times. I own it. My husband and I watch it at least once a month. Um, and I'm staying there at the booth and Walter Day walks by. And I literally... I was like fangirl. I'm like, okay, Holly, I need to calm it down because you're going to look like a complete moron. Um, and he was with, um, I think he was with PSP, actually. I just didn't know him at the time. Um, and I walked up to him and I was like, Walter, I love you. I love everything you've done for the industry. Like, I realized that if it wasn't for you and if it wasn't for Classic Gaming, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I just started talking with him. And he's like, I need to connect with you we need to get things rolling. So when he got home from E3, he connected with me. Um, and then that's shortly after I was 
um, awarded Superstar 2012, got to go to the Classic Gamers Expo in Vegas, which was another rough thing because, you know, I do I do play classic games, but I that's not what I'm known for. So I kind of got a, a, a lot of hate there as well from people, which was kind of disappointing, um, but not surprising. It's gaming. So um, getting to do that, that opened so many doors, like so many doors for me, um, really connected me with a lot of great people. Um, so if it wasn't for that divine appointment, <laughs> I don't know where I would be today. Um, Walter is such a fantastic person. Um, and I just still can't believe, like, I still talk, like, I talk to him, we email, like, he thinks I'm awesome, like, he, like, this is Walter Day, like, if it wasn't for him, I don't think any of us would be where we are today, I really don't, I strongly believe that. So that was amazing in itself, and then getting to connect with, um, with Dave, um, with Willow Films, and doing, um, No Princess in the Castle, like, them approaching me with that idea, and, you know, wanting to make me the, the main storyline of the, the documentary was just mind-blowing to me because then I shot back to King of Kong, you know, watching this and watching Steve Wiebe and, you know, being like, dude, this guy's the bomb, like, he's a boss. And then thinking about myself being in a documentary, like, it was just like, check, 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 like, all these things I wanted to do in gaming and um, are, like, happening. <laughs> so that's really cool, super exciting. Um, I've also been playing a lot of really cool games. Um, there's a lot of a lot of cool games that are out. I just played through Dying Light, which was fantastic. Um, I feel like there's so many zombie games right now, which is kind of weird. But I like them, so I'm not complaining. Um, just trying to play through uh, old, some old games, too. Um, I just played through Dead Island Riptide, which I had never really played before. Um, so just kind of trying to go back and just play through games that I was never able to because I was so involved in Counter-Strike, you know, I was playing eight hours a day. So I, I wasn't playing anything else, didn't care about anything else. So I, for me, I wouldn't have considered myself a gamer. Like, I was a Counter-Striker. Counter-Strike was what I did. But I feel like now, like, I'm a gamer. I'm well-rounded. I love playing different things. I love trying different things. Um, so there's a lot of just really good, positive things going on. I feel like things have been more positive since I pulled my stream, uh, to be honest, because I've been able to really focus on myself and my love of gaming um, and just looking into different avenues um, to be connecting in the industry without it being like, hey, look at me, come watch my stream. Like, I, I'm trying to stray away from that and just make it more like, hey, this is me, this is who I am, and I love gaming. That's really cool. Um, one of the things that we always ask is a person's favorite classic game, because our, our website uh, is is built on classic gaming. We like to hear like games that people like. So we all, we all obviously know that you know you're known for Counter Strike. But if you had to pick one classic game, doesn't matter how old or even if it's kind of new, um, to be your favorite, can you tell us what it is and why? Hands down, Donkey Kong Country. Um, anytime I'm on my Super Nintendo, it's Donkey Kong Country is the first thing I'm playing. Um, I just fell in love with that game right away, and I just cannot, I just can't get enough of Donkey Kong. I really can't. I love it. Um, I mean, not to mention, I just feel like Super Nintendo is beautiful, like graphically. I love the way it looks. To me, it doesn't look old. I think it looks great, um, and I think Donkey Kong just is beautiful. The music is incredible. I really look for good music in games, um, and the music is great in Donkey Kong. It gets me so pumped, so excited, and like we were talking about earlier, I feel like I actually have to work towards the goal, and it, you know, it, it can be difficult, which I love. 
Um, so hands down, Donkey Kong. I mean, I've thought about drawing up a Donkey Kong tattoo piece for, like, I want to do a whole gaming tattoo piece, and Donkey Kong definitely is going to be the focal point because I just, I love the idea that it will never change. Like, what it is is great, and it will never change versus, like, my love of Counter-Strike. Like, it's gone. Like, it's it's poof. It's, it's a whole new thing, and I don't like what it is now, and it's kind of a bummer. But Donkey Kong will always be Donkey Kong, and I love that about it. So what's coming up next for you? Whew. Um, well, my husband and I just found out we're going back to San Diego. Um, so we're in Virginia Beach right now for his schooling with the Navy. So we're going back to San Diego, and that's really good news um, because Dave, um, they're wanting to do more filming for No Princess in the Castle, and now I'm going to be able to, to be more accessible because I'm there by them, which is fantastic. Um, since the last time we filmed, I have grown so much as a gamer. Um, when they filmed last time, I was streaming. I was really heavy into streaming, and, um, and things are going really well on that. But I'm really excited to show the other side of the coin, like where I am now, what I've learned from that. Um, I think it's going to be really great for them and for what they're wanting to do, but also for, for me to feel like um, that everyone is getting the whole story because I feel like if it would have just been those pieces, um, it's just not, not where I am today. So I feel like I'm super excited to be back in San Diego to have the opportunity to keep filming. Um, I'm kind of in connection um, with a couple of organizations that are looking into having me do some panels for events. I really want to do more of that um, because I, I do love talking to people and I feel like I have interesting perspective to offer um, in a lot of different areas. Um, especially like, I mean, I'm all about gamers and women in gaming, but I feel like I have a very different perspective of women in gaming. Um, and a little bit more of like a conservative, less like women are so much better than men view, um, which is, I feel like really rare, um, to find. I feel, I feel like there's a lot of women that are just, it's a little much for me. So, um, and I feel like too, just, uh, kind of who I am as a person, um, I haven't found a lot of people that are like really strong Christians but really strong gamers and they're kind of doing both. Um, and I, I dig that. I mean, I love telling people, yeah, I'm a children's pastor and I'm a gamer. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of crazy, but all my kids watch my stuff and they love it. And so I really just want to, I really want to impact the culture in a positive way. Um, and just, I try so hard every time I play to just get people back in the strategy and the camaraderie of gaming. And I feel like it's gone right now. And I really want it to come back. Um, there's still a lot of great people out there. I met a 15-year-old the other night on Counter-Strike who's quality. He really is quality and was into the teamwork and was friendly. And So when you see those glimmers of hope, then you're like, yes, like this is what gaming's about. So I just want to keep trying to impact the culture positively, keep trying to branch out and play as much as I can play of different games and get good at things that I don't consider myself good at um, and just – now that I'm going to be back in San Diego, go to more events, go to more shows, and do more filming. I'm stoked, super stoked. That's really cool. And, and you know, thank you very much for coming on and talking with us. I think that, um, you know, everything that you've been through and being a gamer since that uh, young of age, you know, dealing with all the things that you've dealt with and still having a positive attitude and helping everyone else, you know, coming out. I think it's really great. I hope you'll come back on and talk to us, especially as uh, the documentary gets a little bit closer to completion. 
Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked to come back, and I can't wait for the future of gaming, what it holds.